Greetings, programs and users. It is time once again for another episode of Old Nerds Drinking. I am John Patrick, the Master Control Program, coming to you from the edit suite today as we get into part two of our previous recording. In this part of the episode, we're going to talk about the uh, big scandal between Wizards of the Coast over the open gaming license that sprang up a couple of weeks ago. So without further ado, enjoy. Let's let's. Do you mind if we change gears a little bit? No, go ahead. We, had, we we went. I want to talk about. Um, let's get it out of the way. The whole the whole Wizards of the Coast open geo. Yeah, the, it's so weird. Crap. Like that. You know, <laughs> in the like three weeks since we recorded last, like the tabletop RPG world has just exploded in turmoil. Um, from what I recall, the timeline is. Sometime right around New Year's, the OGL, the Open Gaming License 2.0, was leaked on the internet. Mm -hmm. The Open Gaming License is a set of legal guidelines pertaining to the third edition D&D rules that basically gave carte blanche to anybody who wanted to use those rules to publish their own content. Um... You just had to buy the player's handbook or something like no, that. No, even no, 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 even no, no, that no. you don't have to do anymore. Yeah. No, this this is this is completely agnostic of that. It was the, so with the OGL or the Open Gaming License was another document, the SRD, the System Reference Document. The System Reference Document was all the baseline rules of D and D that were not copyrighted material. So it's like this is all the rules. These are the classes. These are the feats. These are the mechanic things. And anybody could reprint anything that was in the SRD, but they couldn't reprint specific copyrighted material. So you could reprint all the rules of D&D and use them, but you couldn't have the Forgotten Realms. Mm -hmm. And you couldn't reference... Uh, the uh, Greyhawk or those things; those were copyrights that were owned by D and D. See, I didn't care because I didn't play in those worlds anyway. Right. So, you know. But that was an avenue, and that's how we got the D twenty glut, where the market was just flooded. Mm -hmm. Everything tabletop had to be D twenty. There were these fly by night third party publishers who would just bang out D twenty source books that were full of like tables, charts, monsters, mm -hmm. anything just to get it on the market and make some money with it. Um, and that opened Pandora's box is D&D or Wizards of the Coast was like, yep, everybody can do this, uh, but we are the only people who can publish D&D. &D. <laughs> you can publish OGL material, but we only publish D&D. &D. Uh, and then they saw how much money that was making on the third-party market. And... As Wizards of the Coast has gone through ownership changes, uh, they were bought out by Hasbro, uh, that legal document still exists. The OGL, once it was out there, it, it, it's like, again, to reference Pandora's box, it's once it's open, you can't close it. 
That's where the game Pathfinder came from. Right. Because they tried to switch to 4.0, which was a terrible system. Yeah, it was a terrible system. And but people were like, Pathfinder was like, no, nah, we're going to continue on with sure. what everybody knows and loves. Yeah, we'll, and we'll, we'll do use, our thing. will you publish under the OGL using the system reference document and create our own version of the third edition D&D rules called Pathfinder. Mm-hmm. And they still publish Pathfinder to this day. Yeah, Pathfinder 2.0 is out now. Um, but anyways, go ahead. So... When 4th edition came out, they pay, they had a new version of the OGL that was attached to the 4th edition system reference document that said, hey, if you use this 4th edition content and you publish 4th edition content, you can no longer use the OGL. It was a loophole they mm-hmm. created where it's like, if you use this new shiny rules, then you can't use the old rules. So no one made anything for it. Exactly. <laughs> that was... One of the nails in the coffin of 4th edition, to my recollection, was the fact that there wasn't as much third-party support because nobody wanted to give up publishing under the OGL because the 4th edition open gaming license uh, did have caveats where you had to pay Wizards of the Coast royalties and it was much more restrictive and it was... I believe they got a say over what you published to make sure yeah, that, I, I, and that you might you have couldn't already have said this, but I think you once you publish 4.0 stuff, you couldn't pu- continue exactly. publishing the other you stuff. You couldn't publish the old and people said, they I'm would, not doing that. Yeah, they wanted to try and quietly make the third edition OGL go away. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they also wanted to have control over what was being published because under the third edition OGL, you had like the book of erotic fantasy. And a couple other uh, very adult-themed rule books using the open gaming license yeah. and the system reference document. So fast forward to 5th edition. Um, they were wanting to put out an OGL 2.0 to go with 5th edition. And the first draft of it that was leaked, it was never officially released by Wizards. It was never very clear how the leak got out. Um it's also important to point out at this time, Wizards of the Coast has been bought by Hasbro. Hasbro is owned by an investment, uh, like, uh, what's the word? Translation, we care about making money. We don't care about people's needs or whatever. Yeah, it, it's basically owned by a money market firm. It yeah. is capital bros who are just like, no, it's like, we need profit. We need to show profit. Every year there has to be growth. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is not a model the tabletop industry has ever worked well, on. Well, they there. did that D&D online thing. I can't remember what the hell uh, it's D&D called. D&D Beyond. Yeah, which was it's, a, it's a great thing, but the, it works really well. It's really fluid. But the problem is you had to buy digital versions of the books you already had. On top of it being a monthly subscription yeah, service. Yeah, on top of that. Yeah, that was so by the time you were done, you were spending large amounts of money to be able to play this online. So, of course, the way the world works and stuff, there were a lot of people that were like, no, we're going to create this system, and you can use your books and stuff that you got. It doesn't work right. quite as fluid, it, but it's it free. It was riding the pandemic, riding the popularity of 5th edition D&D, uh, the incredible resurgence of D&D in popularity, in media. We're getting a D&D movie. They wanted to try and make a D&D OGL 2.0 for 5th edition. Mm-hmm. Um, but there were some caveats. And it was the big caveat was you had to submit anything you were going to publish to Wizards of the Coast for approval so they could make sure that it was appropriate to the brand. And 
if you had to submit financial records for what you made, and if you made over, uh, I think, like a million dollars in profit, you had to pay a royalty to D&D. I don't even think it was that high. I think it was far less than that, if I remember. I don't remember what the number was. But I believe it, it was a million dollars. Like, okay. like it, it, was, it was pretty substantial. It was basically to... It was basically targeting uh, Pazio, who publishes Pathfinder, yeah. Green Ronin, and a couple of the other big publishing companies that were making significant money. And, and they was... already took those companies to court, and those cases were thrown out of court. Yeah, because under the old OGL, it was like, you already opened Pandora's box. Yeah. So, anyway, long story short, it, it's a big hubbub. Piazzo, the guys who made Pathfinder... They were, they immediately stepped up and were like, no, we're doing this. And then all of a sudden you had all these other companies. It was, okay. That jumped on board. Like Quasim, like Chaosum, they don't, they don't even Chaosium. make. Yeah, they don't even make D&D stuff to my knowledge. And they were like, yeah, we're on board with this too. You had outside people from other gaming companies that were like, no, no, you we're jumping on this You engaged the nerd rage of the entire tabletop community. Yeah. And yeah. it was very vocal yes um there well, were you know. there were like a lot of people came at critical role because critical role was kind of wish-washy on the fence about it because their bread and butter is D D content mm -hmm. so they couldn't risk alienating themselves from wizards of the coast even though that would directly impact them um and th there was and they got a lot of flat. They they fell upon the nerd rage just as surely as Wizards of the Coast did. So, the community raged for a few weeks, and Wizards of the Coast was like, "Hey, this is just a a this was a, a leak. We sent this to some people to look over. This is not an official thing yet. We get that you're upset about it." They literally said in a press release, "I guess we rolled a natural one on that one." tragedy that should have never happened. And to all those affected, I want to say, we are deeply sorry. We're sorry. We're sorry. We're sorry. Sorry. We're sorry. We're sorry. Sorry. We're sorry. I'm deeply sorry. Sorry. Um, and yeah, the, that had... What is, you know... It's like, let's just pour gasoline on the fire of hatred. The, the damage was done, you know, it, it, it's well, clearly about greed. That's all it comes down to. It's... Well, yes. It's not Wizards of the Coast greed, unfortunately. It's it Hasbro. Is, it's not even Hasbro. It's the capital investment firm that owns Hasbro that needs to see a return on investment. It is, it's exactly going back to uh, what I said about uh, media. It's like media isn't there to tell stories. It's to make money. And the investment firm, Hasbro is about making money. It needs to make money. If there is money out there that is being made on something we did, we need to be making a cut on that. But to be fair... This is nothing new for Wizards oh, yeah. of the Coast because this is what happened with 3.5 Dungeons and Dragons. It got to a point where everybody had had everything. They were just making books to make books at that point. <laughs> no, 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 no. This goes back to advanced Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, this is like, hey, we know we already sold you these books, 
but we're going to change things just a little bit so we can resell you all the information we already sold you with the new small changes. And that's that's been the cycle of D&D going back to Gygax. Yeah. It's, it's, this is nothing new. The thing is, here's my point. Like, it's the same, it's kind of my same attitude when 4.0. When 4.0 came out, everybody's like, oh, 4.0 okay. sucks. 4... Well, hold on, because let's finish the story and then we'll editorialize. I don't want to cut you off, but like, so that press release came out and like I said, it poured gasoline on the, the, the fans' nerd rage. And they're like, well, we're going to open up a, a, um, email where you can send your criticism to and rightly so people are like no no no, don't do that because if you send them emails oh, they're the only people who can see it and they can just say they can skew that however they want mm -hmm. continue to be rageful in the public forum and that has gone on for about the last week today D, D made a final press release and was like look we get it OGL 1.0 stands. We're, we're not going to change it anymore. System reference document stands. We're not going to change it anymore. The 5.1 OGL we're and 5.1 uh, uh, system reference document, we are going to give it over to Creative Commons and make it a Creative Commons license that anybody can use. Literally, unequivocally, the fans won. Like, they got everything they wanted of the OGL staying in place and more. The now 5th edition D&D system reference is in that same vein. Anybody can use it. It's open to the public. Um, yeah, but they're going to... I don't trust them. They're going to... Something else is going to... Exactly. Um, we already know the next version of D&D is coming. They have said unequivocally... Uh, what will they're going to call it something else, but it'll be sixth edition D&D one &D 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 or something yeah, like is that. going to yeah. come out for the like 25th anniversary or no, the, the 45th anniversary, whatever the big anniversary yeah. is coming up in a few years. Like it is going like a whole new version. So this is a reprieve. Um, but again, it's one of those things that going down the line, Hey, if the new like sixth could be the new fourth, um, I don't think so. They've said that they're not going to change. So the, yeah, the, there's, they published a book, um, that they said was going to be kind of a preview of what is going to become in the next, the next edition, like a, a, a basically 5.5 edition. This goes back to one of the reasons they wanted a OGL 1.2. There are certain creators who have decided that they don't like the wokeness of D&D &D and want to try and dial things back to the slightly more crass, sexist, mildly racist ways of early D&D. &D. Um, whereas, like, in the new, issue, or the new edition of D&D, &D, they said, we're, we're doing away with race. We just don't want to use the word race because that there are a segment of the population who have reason to not like that word. And it's easy for us to just say species because it actually makes more sense. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, like, yeah. like dwarfs, dwarfs and humans aren't the same race. They're two different species. Yeah. Ha same thing with halflings and exactly. yeah, elves. Yeah. I get that. Yeah. Um, so there are certain people who are like, that's the way we've done it for years. And I'm going to keep doing that. 
and they yeah, want... but they can they can keep doing it with the way that the game that that's okay. This is my game. This is the way I'm doing it. You don't want to play, don't play. Yeah, but they wanted to publish that material, and Wizards of the Coast is a is part of Hasbro, which is a publicly traded company, and which has to maintain its image. When some internet news agency says, "Well, look at this book for D and D that talks about like." insert some mildly offensive topic, Hasbro has to worry that that may now affect their shareholder value. So that was what the caveat in the OGL 2.0 for them approving content, that was why they wanted it. Um, and I can respect that, but also it's it's murky waters. It's not something you want to yeah, get Yeah, but it's into. not their content. It's somebody else using the, their, their rules for the content. So they're not responsible. They are. Well, I mean, it, legally they are not. In the court of public opinion, they can be. D, that goes back to the whole satanic panic of D&D. D&D was never satanic, but the perception oh, yeah. was that it I was. That. And that affected TSR sales. That affected their company, even though it was something that they... I remember that they tried to get rid of the assassin character class, and people lost their minds because they said that the assassin isn't the direction or the image that they wanted to put out there for Dungeons & Dragons. Of course, that didn't last very long. There was a couple of other off-the-wall oh, yeah, things yeah, that there they was tried stuff like that. Um, and it was hilarious because their stories about the people who were writing the D&D tie-in novels... And, like, having to rectify that, like, hey, this character that has existed was an assassin class, but now the assassin class doesn't exist, so how do we fix that? Mm -hmm. And having to, like, creatively rewrite and retcon things based on how the game was progressing. D&D's history, D&D's rules are malleable. Um, I'm interested to see where they're going to go with the new edition. I'd like... I don't have a problem with changing things to make D&D more inclusive. I don't have a problem with D&D. I'm not one of those gatekeepers, and that's what a lot of the problem with the D&D community has been for years is the the gatekeepers. The people who are like, yay, you're not a true D&D fan. Fuck those people. Yeah, Get as many people way. play in the game yeah. as possible. Absolutely. My... Can I, can I get over my, the, the whole... My yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so we've, we've covered the history, now editorial. Here's the thing. Like, even way back when 4.0 was coming out and people were losing their minds about how bad of a system it was and how it's more of a... Now it's more of a miniatures game and it's not a, a role-playing game. I didn't really care because I'm like, I have a mountain of 3.5 rule books, adventures, uh, books, all of these things that I haven't even cracked the cover on some of this stuff. And I've got plenty to keep myself occupied. So oh, yeah. 4.0, I kind of, I, I bought it originally because I, I did buy it because I was like, well, I'm going to get my kids to playing D&D, which never happened. And 4.0 is a good system to get people started in a role playing. This is what role playing in. You understand how dice work. Now we're going to step up and we're going to go a little bit more advanced. And that was all I was going to use it for. And then 5.0 came out and I tried it and I liked it because it wasn't that much different than playing 3.5. It was streamlined. It was nice. I said, okay, this is everything I need. And again, there's tons and tons and tons of content out there. So, and ultimately, these are all just rule systems. And the beauty of what we do, like, isn't it, like, I can look around your room and, and back this up right now. There are so many other games that are out there that are just as fun to play, 
Um, there's part, there's things about World of Darkness I like, Savage Worlds, me and you both well, like. And, and that's the hilarious so, thing is, like, I started role-playing in, like, the mid-90s, and we started with the, the Star Wars RPG by West End Games, but, like, I had never played D&D. Uh, and then when we joined another group of kind of older school gamers, and I was like, hey, are we going to do some D&D? Like, no, man, D&D, we've done everything there is to do in D&D. Like, like a buddy of mine had four bookcases full of every module that had ever been published for D&D, and they'd done them. So we were playing other games. I didn't touch, I think I played maybe two games of third edition D&D. Mm-hmm. I really didn't even start playing D&D until 5th edition. I had read it. I knew the, I had the books. I knew the system. I knew the world. But I never actually sat and played a long-running campaign of D&D until 5th edition came out. But even, even with 5th, with most role-playing, like the problem that I have, trying to get a consistent party together to play all the time, on a consistent basis, most games that I play don't go longer than more than, if I'm lucky, eight sessions. Yeah. And it falls apart. So I'm not going to tap into 95% of the contents out there anyways. So when this stuff came along, I was like, who cares? You know, yeah. I, I have plenty of 5.0. I can get more of it out there. So if D&D does this or whatever, and if I'm really pissed off about it, I'll just say, fuck it. And I'll be like, hey, let's play Savage Worlds. Let's play yeah. this. Let's play that. I mean... Savage Worlds came out with a Pathfinder, which I still don't quite understand why they did that, but hey, <laughs> yeah. whatever, you know? Yeah, it's like... Again, Pathfinder's like, sure, we'll do it. We don't care, you know? And the, the, you don't see that, like, two rival gaming companies coming out and saying, yeah, let's, you know, can we use our rules to make your game? And Pathfinder's like, yeah, sure. So all of this in the end really doesn't mean anything to me personally. If, if you're somebody that doesn't want to play WotC or doesn't want to play D&D anymore out of protest for this, okay, fine. You know, I'm kind of in the same, but now I don't, I don't really foresee myself going out and buying the newest edition of it, A, because of this stuff, and B, it's, they're, they're going to do stuff like this again. Like the original, they didn't care at all about the players with it. It's all, it's all a money thing. It, and it's, so, you know, I've got enough games. I've got dozens of games that I want to play right now that I don't have the time to play. So it's like, all right, well, here's the new version of D&D. &D. That's great. I don't need it. I'm perfectly fine with everything that I have right now. It's and the meme that's like D&D uh, &D fans upset that a new edition's coming out and things are changing. And then it looks over and it's the guy, it's uh, James Franco in the news. And under it, it says Games Workshop fans. First time, yeah, eh? Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 Games Workshop is a fantastic example of a company that does this all the time. They just did it with Blood Bowl. You know how I feel about that. Oh, I'm my like, God. I we just are, bought Blood Bowl, and now you have a new version. I was like, what the hell? I've played it twice, and now a year year and a half later, you have a new version out? Um, so, the, the arm, I haven't played 9th edition of, of 40K because the army I play uh, has not had a codex until it's releasing in, like, two weeks. Mm-hmm. And they've already announced that later this year, the new edition's coming. So I was like, oh, okay, well, I'm going to buy this codex, and it's going to be irrelevant because, it, like, at their big Warhammer Fest in July, they're going to announce 10th edition of D&D. All this shit or, does me, is... 10th edition of Warhammer. Kill the companies off. Now, I didn't mind when they did it with Necromunda, because Necromunda hadn't come out with an edition in a long time, you know, and, and, and all the other games and stuff that they did that with. But whenever a company says, okay, now everything that came before it is irrelevant and it doesn't matter anymore. Well, that's nice. I got a giant bookshelf full of your fucking books. 
And, well, and I don't and, need to buy your new shit. I can sit down with somebody who's never played D&D before, grab one of these books off the shelf, and they're going to go, oh, okay, this is D&D. Or, or the way I've gone, which is like, hey, there's all these companies that make rule systems to use miniatures with that don't have an associated miniature line. Exactly. They're just like, hey, use whatever miniatures you like. Uh, you want to play... And I love that. Yeah, you want to play fantasy war bands... Uh, here's this game called Frostgrave. You whatever use whatever miniatures yeah. you want. Uh, you want to play gangs in a sci-fi setting? Here's Stargrave. Have fun. Gaslands. Me and you love Gaslands. Yeah. Here, use Matchbox cars. Customize them with all the weapons you got laying around. Here's our rules. We don't care. Yeah, we Th just I love that. That makes me, you know what? That's really cool that you guys did that. I know you're not going to make a lot of money, but I still want to support you anyways. I will buy your books just because you have that attitude. Like, I bought Frostgrave, knowing full well I'll probably never play it, but I thought the company and what they did was so cool that I'm like, I want to support these people. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, because A, they're a small company. They know they're not going to make a lot of money off it. Like, they make miniatures that you don't have to buy, but people still buy well, their miniatures no, just the, to do it. The miniatures are made by a separate company. Mm -hmm. So the books are published by Osprey Games. The miniatures are made by North Star Military Figures. Mm -hmm. Um, which is a which is a company that's been around since the seventies, making miniatures for various because that originally that was how miniatures came or like how the wargaming uh, world started. It was companies made the miniatures, and they would literally write a rule set just to get you to buy their miniatures, mm -hmm. but you didn't have to um, because. Their Napoleon miniatures, at depending on the scale, would work with any of the dozens of rule sets for Napoleon yeah. miniatures, as long as the scale was the same. Yeah, so I'll support companies that do. Th That's one of the reasons why I like Savage Worlds, is because you can take Savage Worlds and do anything with that gaming system. Mm -hmm. Literally any kind of environment, world, or whatever you like. Now, I I, I, I like the open-endedness of it. The mechanics still throw me off all the time, but I respect the fact that, like, I, like, I kind of want to do a Savage Worlds Star Wars setting because oh, yeah. Savage it's, Worlds it's, works great for Star Wars. There's half a dozen various... Yeah. There's all kinds like of incarnations. Yeah. And they're all um, good. You know, most of them are good from what I've seen. I really deep-dived into Savage World in their previous edition, and I was listening to podcasts um, with guys who are like Savage World GMs, and they're like, if you look at Savage Worlds the right way, you can do anything in Savage yeah. Worlds, and it's very easy. Like, I got to the point where I was so familiar with the rules, like, you give me a few weeks, I can do anything in Savage Worlds. I did, I had the startings of a campaign to play in the Tom Clancy's The Division mm -hmm. video game universe using Savage Worlds. I and mean, it's like, oh... All these like super high tech gadgets, uh, that's just magic. It uses the magic system. It's like, okay, you have so many power points, that's your little device's battery. To activate it, you spend this many power points, and your power points recycle every so many hours because that's how long it takes the batteries to recharge. Arguably, you could do the same thing with, 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 with 5.0 D20. Mm -hmm. You know, oh, yeah. you could do the same thing with it, which. I don't mind because I already know 5.0, you know, I already, because it's pretty close to 3.5 Dungeons and Dragons. But the thing is, is that it doesn't, the system, the combat system works, but the system, like if I wanted to use the force, how would I, how would I use Star Wars and the force in relation to 5.0? It would take some tweaking, but I'm sure it's out there. Well, I mean, so, you'd, you know. you'd basically just look at 
They already did it. They did D20 Star Wars. You yeah. just rip the force rules out of that and use the yeah, new Yeah, but those D&D. rules suck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, they really do. I was like, uh, you know, as much as I, I, I want to play that system because I have the books. Again, this is what I, we were talking in a chat earlier. I'm one of those people that's like, I already bought all these books. I'm not going to, that's why I don't want to buy the new edition of Blood Bowl. I already bought it, you know, but... I already have these books, so I'm not going to go out and spend more money to add to that bookshelf of games that I very seldom play, if ever. I don't, well, you know. and, and that's the thing, is there is there is a international fan base of Blood Bowl that is just buying the new miniatures and playing not, the old rules. And playing the old rules. And that, you know, I'll do that. You know, I'll, that's why I was, I, there was, there was some group that I was in that was talking about, I'm like, I'll, I'll still play d and I'll still play 5.0. But I really doubt that I'm going to give them any of their money. And honestly, if a new book comes out and I really like it and I want it, I'll probably just bit torrent it, you know, or I'll do something like that. But I'm not going to, because what's going to happen with Watsi, even though it's an open-ended license and all this stuff's going on, they're going to jack the price up on the other stuff to make up for the offset of what they're going to lose. Right. And, well, and it was like uh, when third edition D&D came out, the core rule books were 20 bucks. Yeah. Like I remember... I remember going, I to Gen, my... going to Gen Con and getting my 3.0 Player's Handbook, DM's Guide, and Monster's Manual, and they were $20 each mm-hmm. because they were like, we desperately want to give you the rule book so we can sell you everything else. Yeah. It, it's a loss leader. It, it's like giving away that first hit of crack because you know they're coming back for it. And then I, I get that. That's fine. That's cool. Um, but ultimately... When it, I mean, it pissed me off when all this happened, but after I thought about it, I'm like, am I actually going to go out and buy any of these new books? Am I actually going to engage in this community outside of my group of friends that play? Probably not. And am I ever going to have characters that get past level 10 or level 12 or whatever? Realistically, probably not. Do I have everything I need right now if I wanted to sit down, if I could get a group together to play D&D or whatever the, game? Yeah, I, you know, I have everything I need. The on and off again D&D campaign I've been playing in with like for the last three or four years, we just hit eighth level. So yeah, I mean, now, granted, then, we, granted, we've taken a couple of breaks. We're we're not religious about it. Uh, we've been running through a campaign, but yeah, it's we're eighth level. Now I do like the fact that the nerd community stood up and said, "No, you're not going to smack us down on this. You're not going to do this to us. We'll buy your we'll we'll play your games, we'll do your stuff, but we've spent enough money. We you know, we'll we'll do this, but we're only going to do this so far." And you know, and and even though people are to quote Rev Tevia, "If I bend that far, I will break." <laughs> So I don't, you know, I, I respect the community coming and doing that. And I res- and it's great to see everybody standing up and saying, no, you're not doing this to us. And if you do this to us, these are all the people that we're going to go to because you don't need us. You, know, you, we, you don't, we don't need you, you need us. The only game in town. Yeah. And that, that set them in their place. And, you know, cause I, I'm also one of the, <laughs> as you can tell, I'm also one of these people like corporate greed, corporate greed, fuck the people over, get as much money as you can. I mean, like, so, I, I understand Companies got to make money. I get that. Yeah, um, I do. And, and it's the more money companies make, the more they can pay the writers, the more they can pay the artists, the more they can pay the people who make their living from the game. And I know artists, I know game writers, and I know how hard it is for them to it. make a living, and I want them to be able to make a living on it. Likewise, if you're going to come out with a new version of the game, 
then make it something like there, there was a, a, a big difference between 3.5 and 5.0. And I, I really do believe that 5.0 is a, is a much superior system. People will argue with me against it, but that's one of the great things about all this too. If you want a really rules intensive system, then go to Pathfinder. But from what I understand, Pathfinder 2 is a lot more streamlined. And I didn't like Pathfinder because it was so bulky on the rules. You know, it was like, oh, okay, this isn't fun because it's it's just not very streamlined. Well, and that was the so, that was a that was a consequence of third edition D and D was third edition D and D was all about like, okay, how many bonuses can I stack on a roll? And it, we, it got to a point where rolling became irrelevant because it's like, okay, well, my auto hit. my stat gives <laughs> yeah. me a plus five. I DM games like that. Yeah, my stat gives me a plus five. My proficiency bonus gives me a plus five. My I have points in that skill that gives me a plus twelve. Yeah. Um, and I have these feats that give me more bonuses. So I'm rolling the dice plus twenty five. And if you're a DM, it's just like this isn't fun. It's DMing can already be hard. I, I remember know? specifically in the D twenty role playing game. First of all, there was a mechanic that on an opposed roll. You could beat a natural twenty with bonuses if you rolled over forty-five, and <laughs> I made just to see if just to like see full absurdity. I made a scoundrel character because that was the skill-based character that got the most skill points, and I had my core like my core skills like piloting, gambling, and all this and that to the point where I could beat a natural 20 on bonuses as long as I rolled over 11. Mm-hmm. See, it, it, And it was just disgusting. And it's not fun at that point. Yeah. I don't like games that are, that are like that. Yeah, I, so, like, I like that 5th edition D&D scaled back the bonuses to where, like, having, like, magic items only went up to plus 3. Mm-hmm. Um, and having a plus 3 was a big fucking deal. Yeah. And that's if you're going to come out with a new system, then do make don't come out with a system just to make money or just to do something. Now, 4.0 when they came out with that, they were D and D players were leaving in droves, and a lot of them were going to play World of Warcraft. And Dungeons and Dragons was trying to go towards a more World of Warcraft kind of thing. Well, yeah, that was that and was the was joke. Like, is that they made fifth, they made fourth edition D and D to function more like an MMO. Uh, to get people away from playing MMOs, and then they made the Dungeons and Dragons MMO and made it based on the fourth edition D and D system. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> so ultimately, like the other thing that's happening now is people want to protest the new Dungeons and Dragons movie. I don't know where I fall in that camp. Like, part of me doesn't want to go see it, but I think at this point, not going and seeing the Dungeons and Dragons movie is it's the point's been made. Like they, they, they came out and said, all right, we will listen to you. This is what we're going to yeah, do. Uh, so ban- blocking, boycotting the Dungeons and Dragons movie at this point, it's not going to, there's no real point in it. Like they, they know that we're pissed. so long for a serious, huge, big budget Hollywood D&D movie. I am absolutely going to see the D&D movie and none of this makes me not want to see the D&D movie. I'll probably end up going and seeing it. I probably, because the wife wants to go see it and stuff. And, I'm, you know, I like, like even in the commercial, it's a shame that all this stuff happened the way that it did because if this hadn't happened this way, you would have had all these D&D players in the theater geeking out 
at the references in the movie from the game, like the owl bear thing and like all of this, you know, all the monsters right. and stuff. Like we're going to know all that stuff, you know, and that's the real trick of the movie is how do you get people in there that aren't Dungeons and Dragons players that are going to see a fantasy movie, but at the same time appealing to the nerds like us. This, so, this goes back to exactly what we were talking about with the Dresden Files about like you got to make it appeal to the biggest audience. Yeah, but... It's like boycotting it now. It's like, all right, we won. You know, we, we've achieved what we wanted to achieve. Yes, everybody's still pissed off, but let's move on. You know, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, you know, because again, ultimately it comes down to I'm, I'm going to play what I'm going to play. You know, I just, the fact that they tried to, to do this to people, well, we've made our point. We won. Now let's, let's move on now. You know, I don't, let's, let's stop being a little bitches about it. If you don't want to play D&D, then don't play D&D, but stop going out there and, at this point, there's no need to be a warrior about it anymore, you know? <laughs> go so. out there and spend your Hollywood dollar, or not, go out there and spend your hobby dollars on companies that you know are making a product you want and you want to support. Um, there's an ethical way to be a hobbyist, and it's these companies at the end of the day, they need to keep the lights on. So if you don't want to spend money with D&D because they're a huge heartless corporation, go spend money with a small press. Because, like, we are in a modern, like, a, a true golden age of games. Mm -hmm. Like, there is, the barrier to, the barrier of going to press is so low that almost anybody can publish a game that they want. Yeah. And so you have these incredibly niche RPGs that are out there and available and that these pe that was a passion project for somebody. Go spend your money with them. Yeah. You know, again, Piazzo, even though Piazzo has become a much larger company, I truly believe that Piazzo really does have the player's heart in mind. Either that or they're just riding that wave of, hey, we're the good guys here, support us. But... You know, Piazza was, but then again, they also they also have a history with Watsi, you know, with all this stuff happening before. But they were like, they were one of the first people to stand up and say, no, 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 we're we're going to fight this. This is what we're going to do. And we're other are not going to take it. Other companies joined in with them and said, yeah, you know, we're on board with this as well. And if you want to go play those games, then go play them. But my point is. Okay, it's done. It's over. Let's let's move on now. You know, <laughs> if you really don't want to play, okay, fine. Shut up about it. Go play something else and just shut up about it. Let's let's just go. You know. <laughs> and I think that's a good place to wrap it up for yeah. now. So, uh, Rojan, what can uh, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me at projectarchivist.com. I'm still working on some other episodes coming up. I also run a really fun, interesting. Um, it's a private group though. You have to search it out on Facebook called Cinema Labad. And I will recommend, I'm going to do my Cinema La Bad movie recommendation as I try to do on every show. If you want to watch something really funny that's available for free, find it on YouTube. It's Italian Spider-Man. It is absolutely hysterical. Oh my God, I've heard about that. It is, it's less than an hour long. Like, it, it's so funny and so bad, you literally can't take your eyes off the screen because you will miss something. I, I am definitely going to watch it again. And I highly recommend if you want to watch a funny, bad movie find italian spider-man it's it's on youtube it's very easy to find it's commercial free it's hysterical it's only an hour long have yourself uh do something 420 or have a couple of beers i, I will be re-watching it again this summer and hopefully i can get you and everybody else over and we will watch it in my backyard with my projector screen and um it's great watch it check it out 
Um, that's pretty much it. You can find on Project Archivist on Facebook. You can find the podcast out there and go check out Cinema Labat on Facebook. Join the page. It's just pretty much a, um, a repository for bad or really good classic movies. As always, you can find us at the Old Nerds Drinking Facebook group. Come for the podcast. Stay for the memes. And with that, I am John Patrick, the Master Control Program, saying... End of line. Over? Did you say over? Nothing is over until we decide it is! Was it over when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor? Hell no! German? Forget it, he's rolling. It ain't over now! So, what's the plan? Take on. Go to Mum's, kill Phil, sorry, grab Liz, go to the Winchester, have a nice cold pint, and wait for all this to blow over. Might as well write them off. Let's close up the bridge. Let's get out of here. Close it up. Lights out. Where are you headed, cowboy? Nowhere special. Nowhere special. I always wanted to go there.